So Chris, this is your cue. We're gonna pretend we're gonna stop. Did you work. did you just pause? Yeah. So we're off air. We can say whatever we want. Right, I don't have anything like really <laughs> exciting. What we what we would normally do at this point is have the free for all conversation. All the stuff that you were thinking, but you're like, oh, but I'm on camera. What can I say? What can I not say? Right. We we found that yeah. Once we uh, kind of get rolling with the with the poems and the and yeah. kind of interpretation and stuff, it's kind of it's fun. Like if time allows, just we'll keep going. Right. Just kind of off the cuff, you know. We'll keep it. We'll put it out. Whatever. This but doesn't yeah. have to be official, but I'm going to take a two-minute, uh, let's call it my dog's pee break. Uh, and if anybody else needs that, we'll be back here. You said you have 45 minutes. We'll imagine that's kind of a worst-case cutoff. Um, but I'll be right back, and then okay. Aaron can decide when we initiate fully. You know, we've, we've been doing – actually, we're coming up on a year, Chris. We've been doing these almost a uh, full year. And mm -hmm. uh, it is – it's just such a – you know, we, at least we found and the people we've talked to, I think, share it is um, it's just like a, it's such a refreshing thing just to, you know, have a conversation like this. It doesn't seem like much maybe on the surface, but once you get into it and then um, start to look forward to the next one and uh, uh, be able to just focus on having. Yeah, we started this in like, like this. The, the deep, dark part of COVID. <laughs> Full isolation. <laughs> we hadn't seen people in a long time. So the idea mm -hmm. of, of yeah. doing something like this that wasn't school related. Yeah, uh, that was yeah. a little bit more social, a little bit more open-ended. It was, yeah, we were. Like, I don't know how to talk to people anymore. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was a delicious, a delicious, refreshing break from that. Uh, where are you based out of, Anna? Are you on the west coast? Um, for most of the pandemic, I was in Seattle. Okay. Um, but as of just a few days ago, I am in New York, which is where I was before the pandemic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. How about you two? We're in uh, in Buffalo, New York. Okay. So, uh, other side of the state. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll uh, keep it rolling for a bit. And uh, the other question I threw out to both of you, and I actually posted it on my uh, Wild Roof Journal Instagram as well. Um, it's from a painfully direct and obvious, uh, painfully direct and obvious reason for me asking the question. Um, but the question was, um, what are your favorite breakup poems? So I do have some responses from our Instagram. I even came across a couple, Chris, I think you even mentioned some. So just that we could talk about the genre of, you know, breakup, even artwork. Um, obviously, breakup songs are kind of the most cliche mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the music genre. But there's pl plenty of poems to choose from, as it turns out, when we think about the uh, that topic and that subject matter, even if you want to start a little general, like what, what makes a good breakup poem? Can I start? <laughs> they actually love this genre. It's a good genre to appreciate yeah, from a distance. I, I don't know. You don't want to get too close to it. Not um, all lovers have to be love poetry, right? And love and you know, love birds and all that stuff, you know. Sure. Uh, that's cool. Uh, but it's 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 nice to see also the yeah, uh, you know, my heart's broken kind of poem. Um actually, um I did um I did look up my favorite poem of all times. 
that happens to be about the mess of love. Um, so I'm going to read It's a very short poem, and I think it would be very effective if I just read it. Go ahead. People will just kind of like, like it, hopefully. Um, it's actually an old poem. It's by Noel Coward. It's an English, he's English poet from 1800s to 1973. Okay, so kind of gives you a time bracket of the time uh, this poem was written. And it's called, or the title of it is, I'm No Good at Love. Okay. I'm no good at love. My heart should be wise and free. I kill the unfortunate golden goose, whoever it may be, with over-articulate tenderness and too much intensity. I'm no good at love. I batter it out of shape. Suspicion tears at my sleepless mind and gibbering like an ape. I lie alone in the endless dark, knowing there is no escape. I'm no good at love. When my easy heart I yield, wild words come tumbling from my mouth, which should have stayed concealed. And my jealousy turns a bed of bliss into a battlefield. I'm no good at love. I betray it with little sense, for I feel the misery of the end in the moment it begins. And the bitterness of the last goodbye is the bitterness that wins. I thought it's just effective, <laughs> wonderful in every shape and form. And I really can, like I, can I hear the last line or the last two okay. lines one more time? And the bitterness of the last goodbye is the bitterness that wins. That wins. Oh, got it. Brutal. <laughs> yeah, but that it's good. Harsh. Yes, <laughs> harsh, but good. Yeah. So I thought that was a. Yeah, yeah. One of the words that comes to me just thinking about this is the rawness of the, um, the experience and the, how. If that comes through in the poem, like how um, that would be one kind of shuck off, I would say, from like a good breakup poem, <laughs> that kind of sense of rawness. And uh, raw. yeah, that's yeah. got it. That's got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Anna, go ahead. Well, I don't know. So actually, right before this, I was talking with my friend about our favorite breakup poems, and I was reading a bunch of breakup poems, and I was almost crying. <laughs> reading them, and I was like, I have to get myself together because now I have to go and talk about these poems. So I'm not sure. Um, I think, I don't know, there are many things, and as long as they're done well, it'll be good. Um, so maybe I could just say the titles of a few of my favorites. So, um, Love After Love by Derek Walcott. Um, it doesn't really have that, that kind of like raw intensity that you're talking about. It's almost like, you know, months later, years later, however many long, you know, however long later it's about returning to yourself, uh, and what may be a beautiful process that can or will be, but it's not yet. Um, so it's more, I think, like, like almost numb, sad, but still hopeful. Um, so I love that one. Let's see. Um, or Morning by Frank Hart. The last line, I think maybe that does have that rawness, but it's, it's just kind of so deeply sad and has the, the, 
longing and I think sometimes after a breakup there's a little bit of almost like I'm fine like denial like live my life I don't need you like (laughs) but um I think this poem by the end of it really leans into like no that's not true like I miss you (laughs) I wish it wasn't like this and it's almost it it's so vulnerable to say that and it's scary but by saying it you know doesn't make it better but at least you've said it but I think that the, just the last line uh, of that poem, which is, uh, well, the last stanza, when you are the only passenger, if there is a place further from me, I beg you, do not go. It's just like, that's the one where I started tearing up and I was like, yeah, stop reading breakup poems now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're good. That's the risk, you know, risk reward. Is you get you find one, you find a good one, good enough, then you got to stop. Yeah. So the title was morning. Yeah, morning, spelt M O I N I N G, because obviously it would also work the other way. Chris, you had a uh, something up your sleeve, yeah. Yeah. Well, so yeah, you mentioned music already, so. As, uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, a erstwhile piano player who makes money sometimes doing kind of like bar music. Um, immediately, I was drawn to what was kind of version 1.0 of the breakup lonely song, which is a Frank Sinatra song called One for My Baby. And the rest of the lyric goes, it's one for my baby and one more for the road. So then one more drink for me and then one more drink before I leave. And it's the classic male archetype of a guy with a 1950s hat sitting alone at a bar, talking to a bartender, telling him about his troubles. And if I wanted to shoot that as a movie, if I was thinking about creating that as a scene, it'd be kind of cliche. I get it. But that song uh, somehow sneaks through the radar and is exactly the sweet spot of you're not feeling sorry for yourself. Of course you're feeling sorry for yourself, but it's not just that you're feeling sorry for yourself. You're sharing it with someone. Uh, since it's through the form of music, the lyrics would not look great as poems, but because of <laughs> music, uh, it actually is elevated. And then I asked myself, okay, what makes a good uh, breakup poem or a good breakup song? It lets you feel bad but it kind of dignifies or adds a sense of meaning or purpose or a new perspective on that. And of course, it's part of the definition of the blues. The blues should be things where you get to talk about how bad you feel, but you're sharing it and it's a sense of by articulating it in a way that other people can understand. So if I had to pick one poem, I can't do it without using that song, even though it's not really a poem. It doesn't hold up very well. The lyrics aren't great. There's, there's a line like, uh, it's quarter to three. There's nobody in the place but you and me. Okay, I get it. We're alone in a bar. So the lyrics wouldn't hold up as poetry. The gestalt, the whole effect, that's, for me, that's the perfect meal. He said, what's your last meal on death row? But it has to be in the form of the perfect breakup song. That's version one point. That's that's the one I would want to pick. And you know, uh, in terms of sophisticated poems that actually help you think about relationships or breakups, I would actually go to Edna St. Vincent Millay. Anybody yeah, familiar? So 
<laughs> the reason I picked this one is this is also selfish on my part. It's not necessarily the best breakup poem. Like I relate to it directly, but I like it as a teacher because I like to teach it in the kind of the way that, that students read it. And I like the message I actually feel within it. Um, so uh, if it's okay, I'm going to go ahead and try to read what lips my lips have kissed and where and why, Aaron, is that, is that okay? I only thought of this as a breakup poem uh, within the last three or four years, and suddenly I enjoyed it a thousand percent more. Uh, so here it is. What lips my lips have kissed and where and why I have forgotten, and what arms have lain under my head till morning, but the rain is full of ghosts tonight that tap and sigh upon the glass and listen for reply. And in my heart there stirs a quiet pain for unremembered lads who again will not turn to me at midnight with a cry. Thus in winter stands the lonely tree, nor knows what birds have vanished one by one, yet knows its boughs more silent than before. I cannot say what loves have come and gone, I only know that summer sang in me a little while that in me sings no more. The reason I love that on a kind of an art level is I will present that to students and I'll say, all right, what's your first reaction? Or, you know, what do you think the narrator is thinking or feeling and what's the situation? And it's a trap because three quarters of my students will say, well, uh, here's somebody who slept around too much. They will they will slut shame the hell out of her. Yeah. And this was written in 1920, by the way. So this is 101 years old. So like, well, she's old and she's lonely because uh, she was sleeping around too much. And if she hadn't done that, then she wouldn't be alone right now. And if you reread it and you you know look for certain key terms like, uh, my heart stirs a quiet pain for unremembered lads. She can't remember individual names. That not again will turn to me at midnight with a cry because they're having a nightmare while they're sleeping on her arm <laughs> and you realize no, she was she was the one who was completely uh in control of this situation and her nostalgia and her love isn't for a specific relationship it was for a kind of a lifestyle and you don't have to judge that lifestyle being me i looked her up i said yep bisexual but enjoyed herself very much in college and this is not about regretting that I didn't settle down. This is more about the kind of look back at that circuit in her life. And I love the fact that so many students get that one wrong. And it's like, well, she's being punished for what she did. Like, nope, she get it. So I, I like the sassiness of it. I, I like uh, you're kind of rejecting the traditional breakup narrative that would have to do with losing that one person who is perfect for you. And uh, if only I could get that one person back. I'd be happy. And that's not at all what this poem is about. And in a way, it's like, oh, that's, that's quite nice. That's a little arch. It's a little sneaky. It's a, It's got a little mischief in it. And that makes me very happy. Nice. Yeah, we kind of uh, have a nice range of, uh, you know, <laughs> material to work with. Yeah, that one's interesting. I'll have to look that one up. I wasn't familiar with it until you mentioned it. Because it so. feels like a breakup poem. It feels like yeah. if only the one man who loved me would come back, then I'd be happy. And, you know, right. That's, no. <laughs> Not that kind of poem. And <laughs> I, one that uh, I I, uh, I had in the archives and I I never really, um, I don't even know if I used it in a class, but and it's totally 
for me, it, it was kind of a one that I wasn't expecting. But there's a Shakespeare sonnet, and I am not the person who is going to be recommending reading Shakespeare, uh, especially sonnets. But Sonnet 150, if you look it up, what was so surprising about it and why I kind of had it filed away was just because, like, it's so vicious. Mm. Like, usually, you know, usually some of the sonnets are kind of their love sonnets or kind of play in the you know, certain, um, certain traditional genre. Uh, but 150 is a, a real vicious attack. You want to read us a line from uh, you want to, you, you're intriguing. Uh, <laughs> you're us so much. We want to have a, we want to hear a line, line uh, of the brutality. <laughs> if we can, you know, in your head, translate what is actually being said. So, Sonnet 150 starts Oh, from what power hast thou this powerful might with insufficiency my heart to sway? So that's kind of, that's an opening jab, like, you know, that's basically translated as how, how has somebody with such a deficiency affected me so much, you know, swayed me toward them so much. If thy unworthiness raised love in me, more worthy I to be beloved of thee. There's a couple that came in as suggestions that are quite good. Um, one of them is called One Arts by Elizabeth Bishop. That was from Anna, a former contributor, Anna Lockhart from Issue 9. Um, another was a short story called Snow and Beady. That was from Kaylee Spallin, contributor, Issue 11. Like I said, our contributors came in strong today. <laughs> um, Snow, that's a, that's a very short, short story. That's a good one. And a poem, it takes a little bit of searching, but I did find it online. It's a, it's a short prose poem. Um, mm. And this, this one I really liked. Uh, it's called Here We Are. The author is Lauren K. Wattel, or uh, W-A-T-E-E-L, uh, Lauren K. Wattel. Um, that suggestion was from Erica Avey, previous podcast guest, Erica Avey. Here We Are is another great uh, breakup prose poem. That one in itself has the nice winter imagery um, that is uh, so familiar to uh, <laughs> any good uh, breakup poem. And that one reminded me of another winter-themed breakup poem called A Winter's Tale by D.H. Lawrence. Mm -hmm. So that's a nice a nice yeah, one to check out. I was going to say another poem um, by D.H. Lawrence uh, also. It's called The Mess of Love that I think is very effective as well. It is, it's also very raw, but um, I have it here if you want. It's, we got and it, by D.H. Lawrence, we have a D.H. Lawrence connection. <laughs> All right. And I'll just mention the last suggestion, then uh, you could read that one. Um, the Home Burial, Robert Frost. And that was from Valentina Grenier, another former contributor, issue nine. So... Thank you to all our former contributors who are offering <laughs> breakup poem suggestions for me and uh, very much appreciated and some quite good, quite good um, suggestions at that. I don't think there was a bad poem in the bunch. Uh, so yeah, you had a D.H. Lawrence, so why don't we go with that oh, one? Oh yeah, yeah, I have a D.H. Lawrence and I was gonna talk about art as well. Just one, one, one image in art history. Perfect. Uh, that, uh, that I will show you after the poem. So this is called The Mess of Love. Is by English poet D.H. Lawrence, who was born in 1885, died in 1930, some time ago. 
we've made a great mess of love since we made an ideal of it. The moment I swear to love a woman, a certain woman, all my life, the moment I begin to hate her, the moment I even say to a woman, I love you, my love dies down considerably. The moment love is an an understood thing between us, we are sure of it. It's a cold egg. It isn't love anymore. Love is like a flower. It must flower and fade. If it doesn't fade, it's not a flower. It's either an artificial rag blossom or an immortal for the cemetery. The moment the mind interferes with love or the will fixes on it or the personality assumes it is an attribute or the ego takes possession of it, it is not love anymore. It's just a mess. And we've made a great mess of love. Mind perverted, will perverted, ego perverted love. I mean, this is very raw and tough as well, but it's an interesting point of view, right? Um, you said this was D.H. Lawrence? D.H. Lawrence, yes. Um, Can I have the title one more time? It's called The Mess, a mess, a mess of Love. The mess, yeah, The Mess of Love. I would describe that as one of the most <laughs> clear poems where the mission statement is so overt and yet it's still almost heartbreaking. Like, it, 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 I winced a little bit. I was like, yeah, the cold egg. Oh, the cold egg. You don't want to hear this stuff. When someone breaks up with you, you don't want to hear this stuff. This is too too much, too much. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, really uh, yeah. But definitely effective, wow. let's put it this way. The other thing is I actually have an artwork from art history, and I printed it out. So I said, I'll show it to you. So we talked about literature and poetry and all this stuff, but I was thinking maybe in, in art, like breakup images in art. So I did print it out, and I was gonna give you actually guys a quiz, a little bit of a quiz. So kind of an interactive <laughs> like questionnaire here. Yeah, well, yeah. Know? And I could post the image um, when sure. I post the episode. I can yeah. post it also. So yeah, go ahead. Well, this one is it's a painting. Do you guys can can you tell who the the artist is? Already a dead artist, but a very famous artist. No? It's Henry Matisse. Uh, Would not have guessed as a Matisse. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's not a typical Matisse. Yeah. Let's just put this <laughs> But it's done earlier. Okay. Um so now, um, so it's Henry Matisse painting. So what do you guys see? Pajamas. Pajamas. The, guy, the guys in his pajamas, yeah. like those match. That's a nighttime thing. And she looks dressed up out to go. I don't know what that's all about. I, I, don't know, yeah. I was going to say, it's a, you know, she was wearing a robe. So it, it, I don't know if it, it kind of appeared as a dress to you. Yeah, well, immediately, I'm. Uh, he's confused and befuddled, and his pajamas. And uh, she, she, while she's beneath him, she still seems superior to him somehow. Interesting. She's sitting beneath him, but yes, look at his posture. Uh, it, it seems like she's got control of the situation, especially because he's got his hand in his pocket. Oh, of his pockets. Because the lines are so straight. Yeah, because he's so so straight up, right? And but and I, I, yeah, also, I saw the line to delineate the shirt from the pants. Yeah. So now that's yeah. not a suit. I feel like uh, he's uh, he's not he's not going to do well in the situation. Yeah. So it, 
Mm-hmm. You're getting somewhere, Chris. You're getting, <laughs> you're getting somewhere. Very good. So uh, the title of this piece is called The Conversation. So what kind of conversation do you think they're having? Anna? Erin? <laughs> Anna, you need participation points. Yeah, you know, I, have I, just, a lot to say, I don't know. I feel like that it's... it's uh... So I'm not I'm not getting the same reading of uh, her necessarily. If that even is a, a woman, I don't know. Gender is weird. I feel like that is is it a woman? I don't know. Um, I mean, it's, his work is very kind of like it has this naive quality to it, but it's his wife. Um, I think that she looks pretty masculine. I think it's interesting that she's seated because that I don't know that that is a less powerful position. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that her head is tilted up is. Um, what are you saying? That's what I'm thinking. I, I think the way that her head is tilted up is is uh, sad, acquiescent, sad. You know, that I, like I don't I don't read her in the, the same powerful way as you to Ben read her. <laughs> well, let me, and, let me let me give a counter argument to my own, which is uh, she's how dare you. But either yes. way, it looks well, like she's true. still kind of doing something strong. Maybe he's come in with a, a conversation that's uh, right. serious. There but either way, she doesn't. She's not cowering. She's not. Uh, no, no, she's not cowering. It's but a defiant it's, thing happening. It see like you know, it's possible that he's the wrong party. <laughs> mm. She's the wrong. <laughs> very party. good. Very good. Um. Yeah. And they both seem trapped. Seems mm, like someone is gonna have to leave. Yeah, looks very plain on the inside. I have to say, it doesn't look too appealing on the outside. Either. <laughs> well, just also the the window is kind of like artificially like between them, between like them. The, the space between the the man and the window and the woman so and the window is just kind of like yeah, they're kind of too artificially spaced out. So it's it's an uneasy. It creates a sense of uneasiness. Just yeah, the, the yeah. composition of the two two figures and the window, plus one seated, one standing. Right. There's a there, yeah. There, there's a unsettling. Maybe it's element a there. And yeah, but as as you said, Anna, outside is just kind of like the perspective doesn't quite like right look right. It's just kind of too flat. It's too. It's like a painting. I don't know if you believe swear like words, but the depth of field is fucked. <laughs> You've been here long enough that you know <laughs> we're free to say whatever we want. There's no distance playing. Right, yeah. Okay. There's a yeah. picture behind a picture. Right. Yeah. So basically, all of your observations are right on. So this is basically a break-off kind of thing. Like the marriage is over, and you're having a conversation about it. And he decides to make a painting out of it. I think she'll feel good about that. I don't think so. Yeah, Did he make the painting? Was, that, huh? was this is this like an autobiographical? No, no. I mean, no. this painting, um, this painting is um, a painting that I looked at, and and, and uh, he was uh, he left his wife. Let's put it this way: he left his wife to go to the French Riviera and to be an artist. Um, so here you you see that things are not going very well uh, between them visually at least you know we can tell that the psychology here in the piece is not good he's standing he's trying to tell us i mean, just maybe she's like saying oh let me sit or oh my god are you what are you trying to tell me here you know so it's like i'm leaving you you know um and then also it it, it says a lot about their marriage which apparently wasn't going very well 
you know, that, that's why he's bleeding. Uh, but then if you look at the window, so if you, you were very right on Anna with the whole thing that she's sitting down, looking up, trying like, what, what are you saying? You know, and he's standing up in his pajamas and the pajamas back then and around that time were like the silk pajamas that were really in on the society man <laughs> all the time, um, even for like, you know, just showing off. So he's kind of like, and yeah, so in a way he seems like this figure that's trying to tell her something. But also the sternness of the whole, you know, the stripes, the blue room, which is kind of like a sad color usually. And then outside, outside there's a garden. Not inside, but outside there's a garden. That tells you a lot about that their relationship is not blooming anymore. It's not blossoming. But maybe if they look outside or if they go outside of this marriage, it's not, you know, they might have a good life. But then also, I don't know if this was intentional or not of uh, Matisse. Maybe it was a subconscious thing, the whole thing, because a lot of artists do a lot of things subconsciously in their artwork without even knowing that their subconscious is telling them something and it just kind of like comes through them into the artwork. So if you look at the barbed wire kind of, not barbed wire, but the kind of like the iron um, here with the nice fencing, um, if you read that carefully, it's more like people don't really read it, but it says the word no in French, N-O-N, which basically means Spaceship is not going anywhere. No go. I don't know, honestly, if, if he meant to do it, but maybe he didn't. Maybe he just, it happened. And a lot of, as I said, artists do things like that. Um, so I do think that this is a very powerful work of art that also embodies relationships and also the end of relationships too. Uh, but I think also the fact that she's wearing black that tells you that it's the, the morbidity of it kind of, the end of the marriage, the death of the marriage, more or less. Um, and and yeah, so I, I do think that this is quite an interesting piece to share with the, you know, the readers or the viewers uh, so they can see um, something visual <laughs> that translates yeah. into a breakup. That's one I was uh, not familiar with that one. So that's... Uh, yeah, I don't think a lot of people good. are. I mean, I've seen yeah. this because I do teach Matisse uh, to my students <laughs> and I've actually looked at it and made my own analogy and then read about his biography, and I'm like, wow, this piece has so much to it. Mm -hmm. And the more I look at it, the more I see. Um, today, for example, I just said she's wearing black. I didn't notice that before. And it's interesting that he's also looking outside of the window because most of his work is kind of like that. He's, he, had, he had a beautiful apartment in the French Riviera, living in Nice, in nice. Mm -hmm. and looking outside, you've got a nice, beautiful, promenade and everything so he he most of his artwork was out in like inside looking outside and you see it uh, up in this work as well so moment you said uh, barbed wire and the color black the two things like obviously the window became a much bigger barrier yeah. because you used to yeah. wear barbed wire and suddenly i saw how important the barrier was between the two people right. and when you said black i saw the around the eyes maybe eyeshadow but yeah, you're right. mask. Very good. and yeah, so you're sudden, right. suddenly the eyes popped out at me as being very right. very weirdly dark yeah so i guess just you're using those two words i'm like oh i'm zooming into different stuff <laughs> Black and barbed wire, like I see the picture in a totally different way. I think also, even though he's got these kind of rigid stripes on his pajamas, the fact that he's wearing pajamas and that they're, you know, silk or whatever indicates his uh, free bohemian 
nature, whereas she's in this kind of like stiff looking. Right, yeah, very much. Yeah. Maybe things are not really going well in the bedroom. That could be it. (laughs) (laughs) You could do a very clean Freudian reading of that. (laughs) They're not having fun. Something's not right there. Um, so they want they want to look mm. a blooming garden. Right. Like I mean, it could be a could be a barbed wire. Wow. <laughs> this was yeah. This was uh, you know a little bit of an interesting spinoff. So I appreciate you know people who um, made their suggestions on Instagram. That's cool. Give me some uh, some good things to look at. Appreciate your suggestions here. That's you know. Everything that you suggested between the three of you, I really wasn't familiar with really at all until I kind of looked them up. So, uh, that's are these podcasts for. in video form yet or no? Yeah, I sent you the link, okay. didn't you? <laughs> uh, I, I hate looking at myself so much, I probably didn't want to check it to know for sure. I was just thinking uh, if you're an audience member and you're listening to the uh, 10 minute conversation yeah, just had about a picture. Like, what the hell are they talking uh, about? Oh, uh, yeah. Visual picture. Uh, yeah, you're setting me up to, to tell the audience that it is available on YouTube as we start to post some uh, video clips in the visual format. Um, but on the podcast page on the website, I'll post all of our um, the poems, the pictures we've talked about, even the ones that we've kind of talked about in a tangentially. So you can uh, see them, it's, but yeah, this was just to kind of tie things together in a loose way. Just the, you know, the community aspect. I talked about this with Chris kind of months ago when we were kind of uh, talking about the, talk, having these conversations and roundtables uh, and having the community element of people who contributed and people who submit, joining us for conversations and even people more involved in the, the website as readers and helpers. Great to have uh, both of you kind of circle back uh, and join us. We'll be doing these roundtables in the future. So if you circle back again, uh, you'll <laughs> certain, certainly be welcome. Uh, so really appreciate your time, your thoughts, everything that you kind of uh, put into the conversation today. So genuinely, like, you know, thank you. Means a lot to both of us because <laughs> we, we, you know, we look forward to me and Chris talk about uh, the upcoming one. We both look forward to it. So. Uh, they have two newcomers uh, to join us today. Awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, so, <laughs> thanks again. So we'll, uh, we'll wrap things up. Talk to everybody later. Yep. Take care. Thanks for having us. 